Today's episode is sponsored by Youmore. Youmore helps us better understand and uplift our mental health with instant screening, data tracking, insights, and targeted exercises. I've had the pleasure of having both co-founders on the podcast, and I really admire what they do and love their vision behind the company. Youmore is the AI-powered mental well-being tracker that helps you build positive habits, change behaviors, and share your progress with friends, family, and physicians. Youmore's vision is to make mental health as seamless and as accessible as possible. Its purpose is to act as a support and prevention tool and to provide you with the data and insights to help you develop an awareness of your current mental state and stress levels. The way it works is very simple. You download the app for free on your smartphone. You fill in a quick questionnaire that will assess how you're currently feeling, which will act as a starting point, and it will check in with you daily to track your well-being over time and so that you are able to see your progression day by day. Youmore also gives you access to many evidence-based exercises which are designed to help you live your happiest and healthiest life. The goal of Youmore is to be your friend, is there to help and support you in your mental health journey. And to find out more, you can check out their website at youmore.app. Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Laura Dahan. Laura is a sustainable development professional with extensive experience in the industry. She currently is working at the Global Institute for Disease Prevention, tackling some of the world's most pressing issues surrounding climate and health. She is a person who is extremely passionate about environmental issues and believes that people, the planet and prosperity are the key drivers in order to make significant change. During this episode, we discuss the various perspectives around climate change. We talk about the role of governments, corporations and people, in addition to how the media uses fear to shape the narrative around climate change. And the last message she wanted to share is act in service of self, earth and others. Please welcome to the show, Miss Lara Dahan. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. So, Lara, me and you, I think we met each other like two years ago. And over the past two years, every time we're out, whatever, we seem to somehow at some point end up in some like deep conversation in the corner. Um, And the last thing we talked about was um, climate change. And I know that's the work you do as well. Uh, It's a topic I haven't really touched on on the podcast. So I'm really excited to dive into it and have this kind of conversation. Um, But before we get into everything, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. So I guess I'll give you background, which is relevant to the topic at hand. Sure. Um, I have a background in management marketing, which is nothing notable to the cause, but later decided to move into um, doing a, a course on, well, a master's on environmental law and sustainable development, mainly because... I used to be that person on a soapbox, like, we have to care the polar bears, you know? (laughs) And I kind of just got tired of spewing that, and I wanted to be a more credible person around the topic. So I did this course and really loved it. Uh, I found that, you know, my love of learning was ignited, and it's really nice to kind of study something that you're passionate about that unlocked something really beautiful for me. And as a result of that, I managed to find or attract opportunities to kind of live in that in that space. And I moved to Paris, okay. where I worked for an institution called the Institute for Climate Economics. Okay. There I worked on uh, economic drivers and incentives for to motivate climate action. And it was a really great experience. Ended up attending the very momentous COP21. Uh, for those of you... Oh, wow, you did. Oh, yeah, no way. No, that's, that was like... That's, I felt too lucky. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's I, a big one. Yeah, and I wasn't so interested in moving to Paris, but then I thought, since that's happening, right? it seems <laughs> yeah, like fine. the universe is a little bit behind <laughs> this, so I'll go. Um, so that was really wonderful and a great opportunity. And, and me, I'm not really such a numbers person, but it was really interesting to work in 
um, on economics and okay. financial drivers. So it yeah. really kind of grounded me in my perspective, not just hippie save the world, but like what are the mechanisms that are really needed to achieve what we want. Um, and then after that, I kind of pivoted into a more broad scope, which was sustainable development, Okay. working on trying to achieve the 17 sustainable development goals, which are 17 goals for prosperity, people and planet defined in 2015. Okay. Um, and the world, I mean, I hope everyone knows about it, but it's like the worst um, promotion I've ever seen of such a fantastic concept and framework mm. to really just kind of show that there are many different areas that achieve a prosperous life from ending from like trying to deal with poverty to you know clean water gender equality um, so many different themes are represented in this framework and it's supposed to help be this indivisible universal uh, map to action for the whole world okay and part of that is climate so okay. that's where I kind of gave in my expertise expertise but like my knowledge my yeah, understanding sure, sure. up yeah, until that point so i worked there at the sustainable development solutions network for um it's a un um, initiative and uh, it was really great and then decided i wanted to move to the uae because i felt like there's such a huge opportunity for sustainability here i was very passionate about it um but came and of course covid uh, <laughs> great and timing. i had to i had to kind of come up with a plan b but incidentally now i'm working in global public health which is a very um hot topic at the moment sure, of course so, yeah. yeah exactly so i feel like it's all part of the big plan whatever that plan is and i'm trying to at the like as part of my work among other responsibilities trying to understand the intersection between infectious disease and climate change how does infection how does climate change exacerbate or potentially or like how climate action could help to address infectious disease and accelerate elimination yeah yeah Wow, that's uh, you've done a, like done a lot. Sounds like you've done a lot in the field, and I, that having that experience in Paris at COP must have been incredible. It was wild. So like someone like yourself who actually is passionate and cares about that kind of thing, that's like the event. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so many points that you brought up and that we're gonna dive into today. Um, I wanted to. It was interesting. I never knew that um, you started becoming. Like I guess more interested or passionate about it at a later age. I thought you know, like growing up, you always maybe had that um, that interest or that was something that you cared about. So could you tell us a little bit about like that, how kind of it became such an important thing for you? Well, this goes into a bit like developmental psychology. Um, I told myself for most of my life that I have no talent, I have no passion, I didn't excel at school, didn't know how to work according to the system that was put in front of me. Um, so I, I struggled a bit, but then. Um, noticed there were areas where I was passionate. Like when I taught, when I did my Spanish oral exam when I was like 15, it was about climate. When I spoke at the school assembly, it was about ending poverty. And it, it always ended up being okay. around these social topics. Okay. And it only in later life where, you know, the universe wasn't handing me everything I wanted on a silver platter. Well, I was like, oh, maybe I have to put some effort. And <laughs> someone, very lovely person, dear to my heart, gave me a kick in the ass and said, excuse me, um, and said, uh, just do some studies, just invest yourself, like really put some action behind what you want. No one's going to just give you the keys and tell you, go save the world. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to invest something in it. And that's kind of what started me on that trajectory. So it's been a passion my whole life, but an unrevealed one until a later age. Yeah, Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that I think that's the, the exactly. key word, unrevealed. So funny that, you know, when you're 15, it was about climate. When you did all these kind of talks, it was about these social issues. So it maybe it sounds like it was always a part of your life. You just weren't maybe aware that like, oh, this is actually what I really care Ooh, about. And that like, I could do something. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I wanted to touch on this topic because I th this question because I think it's uh, interesting. 
So when it comes to something like recycling, for example, mm. okay, what are you, what are your, do you believe that every little bit counts? You get what I mean with that question? It like that, on, that yeah, concept, right? I totally you know get what it. I mean? Yeah. I totally get what it. What are your thoughts? And I think it depends uh, what level we're talking about. Do you want to feel satisfied in your daily life that you're contributing? Then absolutely recycle. That makes you feel good. You're actually, like I said before, I took actions to make me more aligned with my values. Sure. Yeah. And if you want to recycle, that's and that's aligned with your values, it's really the statement that you're making to yourself and to your community that this is important. In the big grand scheme of things, absolutely not. Mm, <laughs> it is yeah. probably the, at the yeah. very end of the rung of the ladder to say what was going to actually change yeah. um, or impact climate. One amazing um, and revelatory a statistic I came across many years ago, which probably still holds true, is at the end of the day, you've gone to the supermarket, you've bought a toy. I bought a Barbie, for example, for my cousin or whatever it may be. I bring it home, I take the Barbie out, I throw the packaging away. That, well, not even the packaging, I put it in a trash bag filled with other trash. Yeah. That trash that I put on the sidewalk is 1% of the total trash it took to create that that that, 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 that bag that, yeah, yeah, you know one yeah, percent so yeah. whatever you're doing it's really it's nice and it's good for you and i think it creates a really good relationship and statement for yourself um but no no i you, don't think so i mean think so. for corporations yes for individual no but it does it will add up and i think a community that recycles is making a statement and that's a good thing and it would add, it will add up but in terms of is it the low-hanging fruit it's absolutely not yeah <laughs> Because I, because I guess that's my perspective on it is that uh, I, I get the concept behind every little bit counts. You know, okay, let's say I'm a person who recycles, like you said, it maybe helps my community, whatever. And but something you said that was really interesting to me is, as long as like you feel good about it and it aligns with what you believe, that's fine. My question then becomes, okay, if every little bit counts individually, fine, maybe it does. Uh, on the big, on the bigger scale, like you said, it doesn't. So then I think about, okay, if it, if it if on the bigger scale, doing every little bit doesn't count, how do you start to, I guess, influence that change? Because, for example, I'm that kind of person. Personally, I, uh, I'm, I'm not someone who recycles. It's just not, some, just not a part of me. It's not something I, you know, not that I don't believe in it. I just don't do it because on that point of does every little bit count, I think I'm like, okay, if I do this, fine. But, like, am I changing anything, whatever? But maybe personally it doesn't, you know, feel that way. So then, then the question becomes... How do you start, if that's how, like someone like me, that's how I feel, how do you start, I guess, changing that mindset or that perception to maybe start doing a little bit more or changing, you know, the, the way you think about those kind of things? Um, the biggest scam about the whole recycling thing is to, that they've put all the onus on the end user to make a difference and completely okay, distracted from the fact that it's the corporations and the entire supply chain that needs to be made efficient and not you and how you're throwing away your waste. Also, um, like for example, there are seven types of plastic that okay. are sold widely. Okay. Only three of those are actually recyclable. Okay. Okay, so corporations, why don't you make all of them recyclable or make two types of plastic? Then we'll be very happy to put them in separate bins and that will make a difference. Mm. But when you have this very kind of diffuse um, the kind of approach and, and, and all the materials that we're being given, how are we supposed to make a difference in that? And then we also have to have confidence in the in, the, um, in infrastructure that's available to recycle. 
Okay. Um, not everybody has the same mechanism, um, machinery to be able to recycle certain things. Um, their collection bins are maybe not made efficient. and what. So these policies need to be really well developed in order for them to work. And the it's a it's a kind of like a distraction to say oh you know do your part do your part but like who's are they doing anything are are big corporations making the or our government or whatnot applying the appropriate um how do i say this uh regulations to help okay. guide good yeah. behavior and guide the efficient management and production of goods that we all deserve i want a plastic bottle i do it's very convenient it everybody is. <laughs> you know yeah. we innovated this and it's wonderful but, you know, I don't want one that's necessarily going to exist in the environment for the next million years. Mm-hmm. So what can we do about that? Uh, and I think with, without people, the real change that can happen. And this is when I had my dreams crushed at a young age. <laughs> okay. I was say that climate, all the plastic, et cetera. And someone was just like, I have three words for you, Lara. Okay. Regulation, regulation, regulation. I was like, oh, how boring. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to become a lawyer. <laughs> like, what do you mean policy? But yeah, I mean, throughout my career, I realized how important policy is because in the end, policy is not a boring thing. Policy is an alignment of values that we all aim to adhere to and perpetuate and elevate in society because that's what we believe in and what we think is right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's still some room for, for, for recycling to become a central part of our lives. But I think the it starts with a trifecta of governments and private companies and people all agreeing on what needs to be done together and mm. then making that change. And uh, that applies to pretty much every climate issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't move unless you have all three in agreement and that's the hardest thing to do. It's, um, well, it's in, I really like how you described it because personally I never, I've always thought of it from an end user perspective and you're like, and you saying that, oh, it's people like say, oh, the end users do your part, but the guy who made this, like the corporations, they like even if I do my part, it's what it's negligible compared to what they've done to give me like this water bottle or mm. this product or so on. So why I thought, are you giving me something that's not recyclable? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. if you want me to recycle? No, I thought that. Yeah. I think that's. I thought that's really interesting because mm. I've never thought of it in that way or never looked at it um, from that perspective. Um, one thing that I think has been a key thing is regulation, regulation, regulation. Now, when we we're going to dive into the fear aspect a little bit later, mm. but when we're talking about regulation. Um, so you're putting in like certain laws to align more with like a green initiative or to become more environmentally conscious and so on, right? But the so there's the regulations and then there's the penalty for those regulations. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, I, mm-hmm. I don't know the numbers, but the the penalty is not uh, is at least from what I've heard never significant enough to like force me to be like. Oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't. You know what I mean? Or because like, okay, I'm making two billion a year. Your chart, your uh, I have to pay like what ten million, twenty million. What is that? That's, that's nothing. That's, I'll make that tomorrow. You know what I mean? So if the pen, so penalties seems not to be working at least, and from my, at least from my perspective, I don't know. I don't know the numbers. So if penalty isn't the way, so like there's regulation. I don't, okay, I'm not gonna follow it. Then there's a penalty. Okay, even with this, if it's not working, then what's step? Hmm. Let's go for step two, because okay. there is a place for financial penalties. And in the United Nations, it's called the polluter pays principle. Okay. All right. Not necessarily upheld, but it underpins a lot of um, the policies that they try, and, uh, they try and advocate for. So how can we, how much is a tree worth? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. And this is why the polluter principle pays principle isn't working you can't quantify a tree or a river or soil 
we don't fully understand our ecosystem. I mean, we have mastered it in many ways, but yes. yet at the same time, don't fully grasp it. Okay. And that's yeah. why we can't apply a financial system and overlay it on a tree. Like this is an entire indivisible system where the tree feeds the cloud, feeds the, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in that case, it's, there is a price it's a very high price, right? It's just being undervalued, which is why it's not motivating change. So the price of carbon is low because people are trying to set it according to what they think they can pay. And like you said, for a million dollar corporation, what's like throwing a 500,000 here? It's nothing. And they still avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) And they still avoid it. So uh, until we're able to, and I just don't think that's ever going to happen. We can't quantify nature. Okay. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. And so I I like that people are trying to, because that's the, the, forgive me, masculine capitalist attitude mm-hmm. that's like, you know, put numbers on everything and things will organize themselves, do inse- create incentives and financial penalties. Yeah. Um, and it has driven a lot of movement. Um, you know, the reason why solar panels are cheaper now is because of incentives to mm-hmm. do so. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's great, but it's not going to be the, the catch-all approach to, to fix this. Yeah. And so the third thing yeah. is, honestly, the climate change issue... It's not an issue. It's an opportunity. An opportunity. Yeah. It's an opportunity for us to address what I will call runaway capitalism. So capitalism has been fantastic. Oil has been such a driver for innovation and prosperity. I am so grateful to its contribution to who we are and what we've managed to do and become. But like now, after the the 20th century, and now we're in the 21st century, we start to see the Other caveats yes. of that approach. Of course. Okay, fine. Like, think about your own life. You, you try something, then you realize, oh, I made some progress, but like, <laughs> yeah. I should probably fix a couple of things if I want this to keep going yeah. and I want to keep growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. You have to do the same with this. But unfortunately, just the way the system is kind of built, it makes it really difficult to evolve and change. Um, Things are pretty much set in their ways uh, in terms of we want growth, growth, growth. When, you know, growth might not be the best marker for prosperity. Certain amount of growth, absolutely. But like this expedited growth, actually, eventually in many graphs, many scientists have uh, indicated that, you know, there is a plateau of when growth meets benefit. And yeah, of course. And we need to just learn where that is and start to change course. But right now we're just keeping on the up and the up is you know, not going to work in a finite system. And that's the kind of, that's the rub on climate. Okay. It's, um, I think you made a really good point about how the, the perspective about it, you know, how it's oil, like you said, I think it's a great example, got us, I guess, to where we are today. But now we're in a new, it's like we're in a new game now. All right. This is a situation. Okay. Oil is still very useful, very helpful. But now we know more about lots of other ways that we could do it. They might not be as cost efficient. It might take longer to do. And that those kind of, I guess, um, those kind of points is what, you know, hits the wall against that whole growth mindset that you were talking about. So I think it's very challenging to convince, if, if it's challenging to convince a person, I can't imagine what it's like trying to convince a corporation to completely not, even if it wasn't even just to start moving in that direction, you're going to have some friction, you know, some resistance. So you said there has to be government, people and corporations. Now, OK, government can put the regulations. People can do their part and uh, businesses can, you know, in try to create more sustainable initiatives and make their products maybe more environmentally friendly. 
So even with all those three, I can't find, in my mind, I don't know, you would know more. And I don't see a way that all, like, all three are actually going to be like, or an example of that at least. Mm, so I'm not going to, it's not going to be a positive. Okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but, that's so fine. the role of government is to regulate. Yeah. The role of the private sector is to innovate. Yeah. And the role of the people is to create demand. Okay. All right. So for okay. example, um, Nestle, guys, this is completely just, uh, I know this is true, but the facts are not, but this happens everywhere across the world. So let's take it, take it as a myth or an allegory or something. Nestle builds a factory in Minnesota. Not factual. Maybe it is. Um, but this is basically what happens. Nestle builds a factory. They pollute the water system because they're using it to, you know, manage their machinery for whatever reason. Uh, you know, the, the environment starts to degrade. The people in the town, their water is polluted. They're upset. They're angry. So 10,000 people over five years fight tooth and nail every single day. Bad publicity for Nestle, petitioning the government, except And... What does Nestle do? Completely greens that facility. Okay. Thing is, there's so many issues going on right now, and the government corporations will respond. If people don't buy their product, they will. They're an animal like that. They only supply, yeah, supply demand, and demand. Supply and demand. Very simple. You know? yeah. So, That's true. but there's just too many issues and too much. I can't find a better way of saying it, but bad behavior. Okay. Um, that there aren't enough people on the planet to fight all those causes for five or 10 years, you know? So this is the issue. Like, yeah, we can totally do it. We, every human being and groups of people have the absolute capacity to make magnificent change. Absolutely. But like, we're a bit inundated and understaffed and Mm. we won't, we can't possibly do it all on our own. So we need something else that's going to help drive that change. Just to take us a little bit further of the way um, so that then corporations, then we can start to maybe elevate our voice to say what we need and what we want, what we stand for. Yeah. And when uh, I think that's a great example of how the the like supply and demand, for example, and in that example that you use, whatever company it is, if the, if your customers now are starting to demand these kind of things, whether government is in it or not, you're going to want to do that because it's in your interest Absolutely. to feed the growth that mm-hmm. we were talking about, that mm-hmm. growth mindset that we were talking about. You said something about um, the systems are kind of like legacy systems and they're kind of kind of stuck in it at the mm. moment and that there's not enough mechanisms to move around to start cha- making these big changes so if the system how i guess how do we start like cracking that wall and start you know loosening those screws less guys maybe we should go right instead of left this time you know what i mean i mean for me i really see that as the government role okay yeah i think um changes in policies um taxation mm-hmm. things like that to the right people for the right purpose um, would be the way to kind of chip away at that. And then the people come in and they kind of give voice to, yes, please do that. Yeah, we support you. And you're going to get my business if you follow. Oops, excuse me. You're going to get the, my business if you follow these policies. Mm. Um, that kind of air would be, is what we need. Yeah. Yeah. But my overall and arching thing is that climate change is an, a human opportunity. Everyone's really fear mongering right now about it. Yeah. The thing is, Climate disasters have happened since the dawn of time. True. There's also, and the discord, like in climate, in the in the climate um, space, is really exhausting. Mm. Some people are like, oh, everything's cyclical. Like this is everyone's just trying to make you afraid. Other ones like, ah, oh, you know, private corporations are killing the planet, and we're all gonna die in like ten years, and everything's gonna be underwater. I'm not saying either are like 
none of those arguments are actually relevant to me overall because they're fear-based. Climate is something that is important to us. Our environment's important to us. We thrive only in a healthy environment. Right now, our environment is sending indicators to say it's not healthy. Whether that's cyclical or accelerated or not, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. We, yeah. have, we are being presented with an issue yeah. and we need to respond. And part of that is to innovate beyond what we've been doing in the past. Whether climate change existed or not, it'd be better to have clean air. <laughs> True, yeah. Whether course, climate yeah, yeah. change existed or not, we should manage our water better. Mm. We should try and yield more crops. We should, you know, treat animals with respect. Like these things are not climate dependent. We should be doing them as part of our evolution as human beings. Yeah. So that's really where I want the climate change discussion to start to go. Like everyone's going to die. Yeah. No one survives this place. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? yeah. Newsflash, spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, how do we want to live? Yeah. Do we want to live trying to make the world a better place, make our lives more fulfilled, more prosperous, etc.? <laughs> or do we want to, I don't know, scramble and succumb to yeah. these issues and never really take the opportunity to come together and do something beautiful with it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you said, you look at it, uh, no one, I've never spoken to anyone or seen something that someone tells me, you know, like climate change is always like a negative thing. It's a challenge that is bad. Like it's a problem I have to fix, but you see it as an opportunity which um, when you think of it, it's the same question, but you're looking at it from two different lenses. Looking at it from this way is much more productive, I think. And make, I think it opens, it kind of opens the, like your mind to like start like looking at it in a different way. Um, and obviously, as you know, pe- changing people's mindsets is probably the, one of the hardest <laughs> things to do in the world. Um, and what we talked about last time, which I thought was interesting that, and you just said it now, like the climate change discussion is exhausting. And there's no, the word you used last time we spoke with, there's no middle ground. There's, it's extremes. You're either 100% for it or 100% against it. So I wanted to ask, what role do you think the media plays in this discussion? Because I believe that no matter which side you're pushing, that is going to have a huge impact on the narrative of what climate change is. I mean, the media if we've learned anything over time, the media used to be independent. It used to be news, like, oh, puppies were born in the supermarket. I wish the news you know? was ever Things like that. Like that. <laughs> like, Imagine yeah. but now breaking there's, news. Because of sponsorship and every everyone's captured, we're mm. not getting, we're getting bites and they're curated. It's yeah. not, they're not giving us an opportunity to critically think about what we're consuming and what we're learning. So I feel, and, and you know, sex cells, fear cells, like these are, you can just expect that that's what you're going to get from your news. So yeah. unfortunately, I wouldn't suggest that anybody really go there for an understanding of how to approach climate. Really. Yeah. To know that there's a flood going on or there's drought going on to alert you of major issues. Absolutely. Mm. Hopefully they drive action. But other than that, I don't I have not yet seen a really integral approach to climate action in the news. I think they're always trying to kind of either disempower or empower you in a way that actually will make no difference. So yeah. like, come protest and do nothing. Go recycle, <laughs> but it doesn't achieve anything. Yeah. So it's all a bit of a distraction. But um, I just wanted to go back to yeah, yeah. something that you said earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, how you said that what I said was a, a, a new perspective on climate, just like flipping the script to say it's an opportunity. When something bad happens in your life, there's two types of people in this world. That's And this is what the climate discussion can be reduced to. When something bad happens, you know, you get sad. Yep. 
and you either let it consume you and you spiral into depression and stuff. Or you, you know, or you could do that and then, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> but then you rise and you take that and it becomes a badge of honor that you survived it and it was your experience and you know you did the hard thing and you achieved something as a result and you feel satisfied. Mm. That is it. Climate is only a, a macro... Cu- a macro expression of our own individual human experience and what we need to call for in our individual lives to be good, to feel good. Yeah. This is for, on a global level, what yeah. we need to do to feel good. Yeah, yeah. So, so I studied, I worked and, and realized that you don't need to to understand the climate <laughs> movement at all. Everyone who's living, breathing on this planet right now knows exactly what needs to be done. And all the great things will happen if we all kind of get on the same page about that. Yeah, and I think you made you touched on a, a very key point: fear and sex sell, right? Mm. And usually, like I think, shifting a little bit from climate just to like public health mm. for a second, mm-hmm. COVID was, I think, if not the biggest slap in the face or wake up call to everyone in the world. Now, mm. I believe my per- and I've. I was saying this during, I'm like, watch you guys. Now we're in COVID, myself included. Like, I'm like, I'm worried. I'm going to be so safe, whatever. Watch in two years. You will go back to living your life 90% the same way. I think, and like you said, there's an opportunity to do something, right? But us as humans, naturally, I think, like on a global scale, we're not, it's rare for us to be proactive. If things are going well, um, everything is good, whatever, why, why should I do that? That's the thought, you know, that comes in your head. But then when something happens, you're like, oh shit, oh my God, I have to do something now. So <laughs> I, get, I don't know how we go, how we can be as a human race or whatever, become more proactive because our nature is to just revert to one, like crisis averted, re- revert to default. Usually mm-hmm. there might be ha- there might be some. I'm not saying there's no change, but there's not, and you probably haven't changed enough to really like make an impact or ch- in your in your own personal life. I'm saying. Um, I mean, what we're talking about is one small segment of of human of humanity. Yeah, there is survival, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, and then there's homeostasis. So yeah. it's like animal kingdom. Okay, oh, survival. I'm running in the savanna and like chasing, and then. The lion stops chasing me, so I chill and I drink my water and everything's good and well and I'm just going to go find another buffalo and et cetera. Exactly. But like, we're a little different to that. We have that. But then we also have this, you know, when homeostasis is achieved, we start to create, we start to innovate, we we build new things, we imagine, we cre- mm. all that. So this is the part that I feel, you know, we're not paying attention to as much and we're all in our animal body at the moment. Like this okay. animalistic, like fear, okay, safety, this, we just, and COVID pulled the rug out from underneath us. And I feel... Big time, yeah. I'm, we're, I think we're very lucky that this lesson happened in... A, it could have been so much worse, right? And then True. we got, yeah, we got sure. to learn True. and prepare ourselves as a community for if something worse does happen. Um, but I was really excited when COVID happened in the sense that I was like, finally, the world will see because climate was too much of a diffuse issue mm. um, that was going to happen in like 20 years. Yeah, yeah. This was like now, exactly. your life now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, now people will see how connected we really are and maybe we can all come together. And you know what? I'd give us a B minus as you, a community. Forget the news and all that corruption. And whatnot. Okay. I'll give us a B minus as a community that, you know, the world's still standing and moving. Humanity is really good. Like we could 
so many so many worse scenarios could have come out of that but we're civil a lot of people did stay home like and i don't think we did it because government told us to i think we did it because somewhere deep down that narrative around this is for each other which was a good narrative to to send out like those who responded to it that was a nice feeling i do care about my grandma and your grandma and i'm mm. gonna stay home and that's a symbol or even if you don't believe in masks i'm gonna wear it because it's out of respect for you mm-hmm. and all these things start little emerging they, they're not very valued now but i thought that they were very beautiful expressions of our humanity mm. and in other cases there were some negative things but i think on the general population level we did very well interesting give us a b minus <clears throat> i don't think i'd give us <clears throat> i don't think i'd give us a grade that high i would have thought you know i i'd say i'd give us a c i think we passed it decently well um all the things you're talking about um in terms of what it did from a community aspect how we started to think like take that extra step maybe like okay let me wash my hands or all my your grand- grandparents whatever you don't want to do it so there's a lot of like all the things you said are beautiful and it's great and that's what did happen but it came but again if we're going back to like what's the where is that coming from it's fear oh at yeah the, at the end of the day yeah. With, so i guess listening to this example i'm thinking about i guess fear can play a positive role but is there another way fear is necessary it does trigger us and we need to but yeah. what happens when you see fear do you become afraid or do you bec- do you kind of like look and say okay what do you what is the antidote to fear mm. you know it action love oh love <laughs> the antidote to fear is okay. love actions that are underpinned by love so mm. when communities were cut off and grandparents were sitting alone there are people going door to door making sure they had food this is the love that comes out of the fear mm. you know yeah um and that's more of what we need so climate oh the world's ending everything's flooding okay opportunities to show love to bring love when yeah. it's really hard when you're actually afraid but you want to just do the right thing that that's the recipe for a good life yeah. it's not a long life it doesn't have to be a long life if we just all should be aiming for a good life yeah just enjoy yeah. the time while you're here make mm. it the best you can right we try um listening to like Listen, reflecting on our conversation right now it's interesting like now i have a better understanding of how you see the world and i'm like it's a lot what's like it's a lot um, brighter than maybe my than my view um which is i love seeing that because it makes me start to think like the trigger like again it's a trigger makes me like oh maybe i should think about something in a different way but coming back to climate yes. we're referring back to climate, yes. uh, climate change um i think one thing that's important in a lot of issues that we face around the world is um, a lack of education in those things so for example uh, in mental health no one in the world none of us here no one grew up like with a class like a like like you're in school you know i like have math oh no and i have like mental health class mm. to teach you how to be aware to learn what your emotions are how to control them how to manage them how to know there's something called mental health that's just one example and i think that also plays into climate change in a way because like growing up i didn't really i like looking back there wasn't a class that really showed me the importance of it and why we have to like care about it so my question to you is i guess what role what's the role of the classroom or education when it comes to climate change what would you say from a mental health perspective 
from or a... Or just generally. G- generally. I'd like to answer from a mental health perspective. Yeah, go ahead. Climate change, the way it's presented, and even, I'm not trying to say, like, be positive. Like, it's scary dying in a tsunami. Like, while there's a forest fire, while there's this, while there's that, is a scary thing. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. um, And I do have fear around that. But... Um, Imagine how much further we'd get in discussions if we weren't anxious or if we knew how to deal with our anxiety. Yeah. Imagine how much further in negotiations we'd get if we didn't take things personally. And these are things True. you learn in mental health. These are yeah. things you learn in healthy relationships. So, yeah, I do feel like there's room for that in the classroom. I think it would take us a very long way in dealing with some of the world's most pressing issues. Yeah. Um, what else in school? I think cultivating a relationship with nature. Also cultivating... Uh, an understanding of philosophy because in the end, I think also what's been eroded over time um, that initially or in the past has propelled civilizations into great places is philosophy. And right now we don't really have that. We have economy. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And that's our, that's our value system. Make more money. This is good. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we could just shift, like money is good. It helps us achieve things and trade is age old. That will not stop. But, um, yeah, like trying to figure out how to also divide that discussion into what is well-being? You know, what is what is it I care about? How can mm. I live? And I really believe that there's no one out there who believe like there are very few and they're meant to teach us something like sociopaths and serial killers. Sure, sure. They're really a small po- po- part of the population. Mm. Um, the rest of us generally are good. If your bag has not been stolen at the airport, like life is good. People are good. Yeah, that's a good day. That's a good <laughs> like, day. There's a lot of trust. I mean, mm-hmm. not everywhere, not all the time, but overall, this place would be absolute anarchy <laughs> if, if we didn't all have values ingrained in us, either in our DNA or instilled in us through parenting, through society. Yeah. We're not in such a bad place to do that. But I think more emphasis in that in education yeah. would really help us be on the right footing to be able to have discussions with people who are different to us, come up with innovative solutions and really feel empowered to do the hard things. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what you said, that, like the different way, different areas that education plays into all these areas like mental health, like climate change and bringing, like if I, if you grew up learning about that, you probably like throughout your life would have been having some type of discussion about it. You know, like, oh, what do you think of that class? Like, oh, this is what I think. Oh, this is what... But it's, again, making you, like, kind of helping you focus on a problem or making you aware of a situation or a problem. So when it comes to climate change, for example, there's, at least from my perspective, it seems um, coming back to the extremes. And that's what I guess, I and the extremes is what's most presented usually from what I've seen mm. myself personally. So it's either like I'm for it or against it. And the guys who are... Um, for climate change and they're the ones that are like super worried and guys like the like water levels are rising it's getting hotter you know you can and the the interesting thing is like personally i believe i believe there is climate change i do um because not from any like besides like a scientific just look around the world even places i've been i'm like yo this is like we're this summer in like europe i'm like this is wrong like it shouldn't be as hot as fucking dubai like there's there's this is not an accident. So I don't know. How, it sometimes confuses me how if you're, you're living in this world, you feel the weather, you experience it in different places, no matter where you are. Like now we just had that ridiculous um, flood in uh, Pakistan, mm-hmm. for example, which is like crazy. Like the videos I saw, I'm like, 
there's so many like it's i think and i love the word you used before there's so many like indicators it's kind of like nature screaming like hello guys yeah do you see like the shit that's happening like wake up like get on and do something so when there's so much like evidence on this i still don't get how it's um like the other side for example the ones who are against can see it that way like if you see it that way from like if you're just looking at it from a financial perspective okay fine i get it because it's going to cost you a lot to make that change become more sustainable whatever no worries but if you don't believe in it like period like how (laughs) i don't i I don't know i won't address the do you believe or not believe point i'll say this um environment is cyclical we are seeing an acceleration of things that's unprecedented Maybe this is natural. We don't have historical records going back to the beginning of time. True. The only difference between the beginning of time and now is that we're here. Yeah. And for example, the train tracks, they're, they built their infrastructure around maximum de- temperatures of like 45 degrees or whatever. Mm. So yeah, maybe we can survive physically as a human being in a hotter climate, but our entire infrastructure is going to be <laughs> compromised because we did not plan for this accelerated rate of climate change. Yeah. I don't have a problem like, Climate will change, we will adapt. But do we need to sign up for this level of loss of life, this waste of resources, this mm. waste of energy yeah. to just to see our legacy kind of erode before our eyes just because we didn't want to be forward thinking? Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to be able to dial back climate change. Like if it if the two degrees scenario is is legitimate, no one has an accurate climate model, FYI. So either they're grossly underestimated or overestimated. We don't know. Mm. But it. I forgot where I was going to go. Are we kind of getting to like that point of no return? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably going to happen. I mean, we are seeing irreversible damage to our environment and to our our cities and Mm. and coastal villages and stuff. So what are we going to do about that? This is more the action that I think is needed. Um, Not like let's reduce emissions. Yeah, that's like the that's like on the way. That's what we have to do. But overall, we need to prepare ourselves for to be more resilient, to, to really build things that last, mm. build things that insulate us, that protect us, that to provide security. Yeah. When right now it's just like, well, let's just build this thing because I want to make this much money and leave in three years. And yeah, you know, like, yeah. Mm, what real value is that giving to society besides lining the pockets of not even uh, just a few hundred thousand people? Yeah, on that on that point, um, and we you, you said it earlier, making that, uh, that idea of like making the world a better place. Um, through like came about the environment and so on i think as people like i'm even reflecting on myself like i think we in general in general i'm saying everyone we're so can and myself include like you're so consumed in like what you have like right in front of you you know like your job your family your house your kids whatever like and obviously there are people who have all that and are like going out and like doing like and trying to push this agenda and so on but i think it's very that that term that phrasing making the world a better place like if you ask someone who's so like stressed at work whatever he's like you want to make the world a better place but like, well, i don't give a fuck about the world i just want to make sure like my life or what is important to me or what i care about what's around me is okay going beyond that like i i i think it's hard to do that I'm so excited about this question. <laughs> Tell me. Oh, how to put this into words. Um, what is it like? Make it a little bit better places way too care bear. Yeah, I say it because essentially that's my overarching thing. I, but what I really believe the opportunity is to make your life better. What makes life good? 
Um, and I don't think anybody can really deny that when you do something for another person, it feels good. Yeah, oh, I find sure. sometimes yeah. if you feel like you have the time and you pick up a piece of trash and throw it in the bin, you kind of like pat yourself on the back like, I did something. Mm. You didn't need to. No one needs to yeah. be anything. Everyone can be whatever they want. Um, and then when you do something for yourself, it's good too. And we should all do things for ourselves. So I have three pillars, personal pillars, okay. that I think we all should live by. And this is not news. I've heard it repeated millions of times, but I like to think I came to it myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is it to live a fulfilled life? Mm-hmm. It's actually based on service. Yeah. Acting in service of yourself. If that's how you want to spend your whole life, do it. I haven't seen anybody ever only act in service of themselves, but you know, acting in service of others and acting in service of earth earth self others once all those three things are satisfied and you're doing them in whatever proportion is good enough for you i think the world will be a better place and it doesn't have to be about climate it just needs to be that ethos that propels us that wakes up makes us wake up in the morning and go okay what am i doing for myself Mm. for others for the planet yeah Big, small, doesn't matter. This little framework is the, for what in my life, what I think is the crux of life. And yeah. we'd all benefit from just looking at it that way because it really does feel the best. Yeah. When you do self-care day, amazing. Feel great. <laughs> sure. When a friend comes to me for advice or they ask me for a favor that I can do, oh, absolutely I'll mm. do it. Yeah. And then when I do something for the planet or even, and that could be just appreciating a tree. I swear to God, you don't have to really do much. Mm. that's service that's homage that's a beautiful thing and I think those are the things that are it and I used to one thing I want to caveat is I haven't always had a sunny disposition and a positive outlook I used to watch my favorite uh, genre a TV genre till today is dystopian future Armageddon (laughs) I watched that and I've consumed so much of that knowledge and books I cry all I did was for like five years was read climate change books that tell me it's the end of the world and I'd sit in my mom's lap and cry and then I had to like say, okay, no, <laughs> am mm. I going to, is that how I want to be like, yeah. oh, what was me? Or do I want to live a life where I can be empowered and try and do something, even if it's small. And that, Khalid, is where every little counts. Mm. If everybody did that, yeah. it doesn't matter on what, the world would change in a minute. Mm. In one minute. Oh, I got, gave myself goosebumps. Yes, it would. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love how you explain that. I, uh, like, first of all, on the concept of being in service now, Personally, when I was younger, I was one of I was just all I wanted to do was yeah I want to make money, bro. I wanted this. I want this car. I want this. Like all that. And I've said this on the podcast before. Like my experience in Amsterdam completely changed me, and I look at life in a completely different way. Um, but one thing that I one thing when I was doing sales in each like each business I worked in, I never felt fulfilled. I'm like okay. Um, things are going well, but I'm like, like whatever, you know, it doesn't move me. It doesn't feel changing me or whatever. And then when I started getting into men, like learning about mental health and when I became a hypnotherapist and like worked with people um, and what's his name and lots of like famous people have said, you know, the one thing that is like an unlimited resource that can like you automatically want to feel good, help someone or it's instant and it's automatic and not even if you're doing it for like even if the reason is selfish the action is not so the outcome is still like win-win you know do you think like anyone would disagree with that i don't think 
There might be, but I, I would struggle to. I, I would struggle to think so. I'm, I'm. My part of my quest in life is to find these like undeniable truths, and this I really believe is one of them. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah. anyway, sorry. Continue. No, no worries. Um, and I like what you said about uh, being of service to people, service to yourself, and service to Earth. I think, I think the service to people and life in your life is a very. Um, I think it's a very. A lot of people would be quite receptive to that. Mm. The last one is, I think, where and where there is um, either it's not there, like it's not a part, it's just not something for you, or you don't you don't know how to start build, making it something for you. Earth, um, right? Yeah, Earth. Well, exactly. yeah, because we live in cities and it's really hard to see that. But go tell a farmer, you know, yeah. service to Earth. They're going to know exactly what you're talking about, and in yeah. fact, that might be the biggest part of their life. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we've just been insulated from that. Yeah. And in the 21st century, our service to earth might be a very economical thing that happens in a city. It might be recycling. It might mm-hmm. be whatever. Um, or not taking more than you need or not wasting food. Yeah. This, oh yeah, let's try it. Like you don't have to go and, and literally plant a tree. You can honor the, mm. your plate, yeah. meal plan, things like that. Oh, and guess what? That also serves you. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> all that, the, there are many different ways to be in service to earth and yeah. it's our job to be creative. I can't think of every possible scenario, but I don't think that it is hard for anyone, for everyone to find something, something. that makes them feel like they're contributing to their home. This our our collective mm-hmm. home. Yeah. I think um, I, throughout this whole conversation, one thing that really has stood out to me from from what you're saying and which I really love and I appreciate is all of these, like all the, th- all those like uh, catchphrases, like um, make oil a better place. Uh, every little bit counts, you know, like it, it, climate's going to change, whatever. I like how in all those different discussions that we've had, you brought it always back to self, like to you, to your life. Um, and like you said, just if you just like appreciating a tree, like it's not, like and that example is great because like you're literally doing nothing like it's an internal dialogue you have with yourself like i appreciate this tree or like whatever um and i think i think th- that mindset is very healthy and it's very it's very positive and it doesn't it doesn't make me feel like i'm being like like you're trying to change my mind or like you're pushing me to do something it's simple it's actionable it won't take much and it doesn't have to be and the size of the contribution is irrelevant as long as for you personally, it you feel like you're, you're doing your part for whatever level you want for mm-hmm. yourself, which I think is very, it's very refreshing. It's a very refreshing perspective. And I think that's a nice, that's a good way to, at least from my perspective, I think that's a good way to, you know, nudge the needle a little bit towards that. I hope so. <clears throat> I mean, in the end... <clears throat> The thing that gives me hope in this world is that I don't know anything that's significant that nobody else knows. I know that. I feel like that is a fact. <laughs> There's nothing significant in my brain mm. that not every other person understands to a larger or lesser degree, however much they want to bring it into their consciousness. And all these cliches, I love that you said that because, you know, the whole hippie movement is like, oh, fucking peace is love and mm. blah. And everyone's kind of rolling their eyes at it. But I'd like to invite the audience to take attention because these are truths that have been echoed that so much that they've become boring to hear. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just something that was very common to all of us, all of our human experience. Yeah. Every little bit does add up. We have a lot of evidence across history that has demonstrated when you know 
every person that protests made a crowd or, or whatever yeah, it is yeah, and yeah, instigated yeah, yeah, a change yeah. and whatnot. True. So, I mean, I think if anyone wants to do a little bit of reflection, go look up the top cliches in the world <laughs> and feel inspired because that is truth. That is what we have collectively come up with to to kind of guide our understanding of why and how we're here, like yeah. why we're here and how we should move yeah. through the world. Like you're saying, the cliche is there for a reason. They are. Yeah, they didn't come out They've of... They've just been done to death because yeah. we haven't acted on them. Uh, fair. We yeah. need to get to cliche level two. Exactly. <laughs> But until exactly. we really absorb this, <laughs> we won't. No, it's exactly that. I totally, totally, totally mm. agree with you. Uh, Laura, I just have three more questions yeah, for you. Um, first of all, um, I want to ask, throughout the conversation, like it's been apparent how... Um, like your perception of climate change has shifted over the years. Mm. The more you understood about it, but then when you started working in it, it was a different story. So asking you as Laura today, what are your thoughts? How does it look going forward? I'm not affiliated with any institution. <laughs> <laughs> These ex- the views expressed are explicitly my own. Yes, this is um, Laura's perspective, guys. Laura's in the end... I don't think that, I mean, I used to hop and skip to work. I'm saving the world today. Mm-mm. You know, I felt like so accomplished, so like great that I'm aligned with my values. But in the end, like it's great to work around passionate people. That's what I found in my work, like people who share my interests. That's great. But doing good in work is so much more than what work you're doing. It's There are people out there who are making a bigger impact on the world than I could ever make, doing like a sales job, <laughs> than I could ever make in climate mm. or, or have made. Um, and in the end, if the bureaucratic system is stifling and if the intentions behind growth are capitalistic and leave people behind, then it's never really going to feel very fulfilling. Let me just backtrack and try and think of what you said. The system is broken and mm. it's not serving us. So anything yeah. in that system is not going to provide that okay. sense of well-being and, and goodness. We try with our work to feel like, oh, yeah, super aligned. But the people who are feeling the most aligned with their purpose and goals and values are the ones who are probably doing small-scale farming, small-scale inst- like education, everything like very ground level, very um, close to the earth, close to the Yeah, like grassroots kind of Grassroots, stuff. thank yeah. you, sorry. I should know that. I should, should be at the tip of my tongue. <laughs> But yeah, I think that's really where you're seeing the change. And I would love where you could work in a big corporation and have a really strong and beautiful culture. And there are some yeah, companies that really demonstrate a strong culture and have had very positive impacts because yeah. of that culture. But um, overall, I don't think that the general economy and those that are um, emerging in it and thriving in it are necessarily choosing to uphold a very strong culture and values, even though they have immense amount of influence and yeah. i would love to see them do that yeah. we would change mm. um we would be inspired by them and there are brands that inspire for sure i would love i mean I, that's the future i want to see that happen yeah so brands i have more of a but i think nowadays like i think i can even realize over the last like five to ten years i think as a, as consumers let's say we our mindset has shifted like a, a lot of quite successful brands nowadays have a social cause like not only do i like okay you have a great product if your product shit i'm not buying your thing mm. but you have a great product and you like do something like every t-shirt you know we give a book to you know mm-hmm. a, a child or something like something simple but i think people are more attached to that nowadays because they because then they feel kind of like what, they get that little maybe little like one percent feeling of fulfillment Service. like i know like okay yeah, i'm getting this because i like it and it looks great and i can't wait to wear it but 
I like that. But I but th- this social cause that these guys have also makes me feel good. No, we're absolutely being robbed blind by not being offered this for every single thing we participate in. Like, profits should not be so astronomical that they can't afford us that feeling as consumers that mm. we're not only just destroying the planet with every choice that we make, that we're also doing our little bit. Yeah. And and yeah. advocating for something, or being able to advocate not just for my own benefit by having this product, but also that, you know, this is going to benefit someone else. Yeah. I would love to see that being like a standard in all organizations. Yeah. I mean, we do have the issue of like greenwashing. Which greenwashing? Is, Sorry, I don't know. So greenwashing familiar. is like where... You know, a company will say, oh, yeah, we are we use only like recycled paper or we're going to go to the, they just make lots of campaigns around what they're doing for sustainable development or climate change. And and really, it's such a drop in the bucket and not impactful and not connected to their actual work. Mm. So it's very external. Anything that's being done to innovate and 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 align with climate or sustainable development needs to be done internal in the organization, not mm. giving charity necessarily. I mean, I'm small scale T-shirt for T-shirt. That's great. Um, but I think I'm talking ma- macro yeah, scale. This yeah. term greenwashing kind of emerged with like Shell and the big oil companies okay. like saying, oh, and we're doing this. But it's really just they're trying to put that in the forefront of the messaging yeah. when there's a lot worse stuff going on. And it doesn't the rest of their actions don't align with that activity that whatever they're doing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. It sounds like in that example, I use so greenwashing from at least now my understanding is. I'm just trying to I'm trying to grab the attention of the communities or people who actually care about those things. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm doing it. So, and then I think the example <clears throat> example used were great like I'm an oil company but I'm doing this it doesn't really it doesn't really fit but I'm just, you know, it's attention grabbing. Um but one thing throughout our conversation you've said this many times and uh this opens a huge topic but I'm going to try not to like dive so deep into it cuz we'll be here for like hours. Uh, on the concept of um, it's all a distraction. You said that word mo- like multiple times in so many of the different discussions that we've made. Um, and I've never personally, I've never thought of it of that way. Oh, not even, not necessarily thought of it. That, I've never been aware that I'm being distracted from what's actually going on. And this is, hap- this is happening not just in the conversations that we've had today, but in news in health in everywhere you know you're trying to paint a picture that's not really the story or not really the solution so Mm. how do we i guess the question becomes if i'm constantly being distracted in so many different ways whatever how do i i think it's impossible to not be you will you'll even if you try i think you'll always have some blind spots until someone you have a conversation like this that maybe opens your eyes to certain things um, but if you're constantly being distracted, how do I, like, how do I take a step back and look at it more objectively? I'm like, okay, what's actually going on here? That's such a great question. Um, I will backtrack on the word distraction. Okay. A little bit. We are distracted. I don't think the, and I don't know if any of this is really intentional. It's just happening. Mm. Um, that's why I call it runaway kind mm. of capitalism and all the things that come with that, um, which is creating fear and, and driving business and, and whatnot. Um, pharmaceutical companies are very powerful and capitalized a lot out of COVID. I'm sure they, they did provide solutions, but then also they probably tried did some actions to maximize profits that were ne- not necessary. So this is just the way the world works. It's not a news. Um, but I would say that the 
it's less about distraction, more about disempowerment. What's happened is we've kind of congregated in these cities. It's like, we don't know. We can't. We need to be told what to do. We need okay. rules and regulations like, no, you do this. It's illegal, this, that, this, that. And we've kind of given up our agency and, and accountability to uh, governments who are also just comprised of people. And yeah, the, exactly. over time, <laughs> that just kind of makes us feel like, oh, we don't know. They know. Mm. Let them tell me. But mm. actually, you know how and what you need in, mm. as a life. Yeah. And you yeah. have every right to demand that and, and to strive for that and request it or whatever, advocate for it. Um, so I think the way that this is all kind of going is it's just disempowering us to make us feel like, oh, you can't do anything, just listen. So like the best thing to do out of COVID would have been, oh, there's a health crisis, I need to be healthy. But instead it was like, government, what should I do? What should I take? Mm. What do I? And, mm. and it's great that we have that messaging and support. And I, I think it provides a lot of security and stability mentally. Like I know that living in the UAE during that time was amazing because everything was very clear black yeah, and white yeah, 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 this yeah. is what you're gonna do and nobody disobeyed and i actually yeah. loved it i love to see how much how people were respecting the rules yeah, and it fair, made everyone me think, did yeah yeah and it made me think like okay so in another situation maybe we can also be as respectful and as successful mm. um so yeah so i think kind of giving up our agency a little bit and feeling like we can only do what we're told rather than like kind of knowing intuitively and taking the effort to define for ourselves what our needs are yeah. and what we need to do. I think that's what's missing. Yeah. So everyone's watching the news. Cool. But are you critically thinking about how that applies to your life, whether you agree or not, mm. not to go and fight on Twitter, yeah, but yeah, to yeah. decide how does this information help you, hinder you or pre present an opportunity in your life to do yeah. something different. Yeah. Um, and I think that just that little note is not being said and people aren't noticing and we're just mm. kind of zombie mode. I, I'm, not saying I'm free of this. <laughs> I'm the same. Uh, zombie, it's easier not to think. Let someone else think for me. Why? That's true, yeah. Uh, but if we all start thinking for, for ourselves, considering mm -hmm. that we all, as we mentioned before, have some core truths, yeah. bring out those core truths, yeah. that'll help guide us in hand with government, mm -hmm. enhance our ability to create demands so that government and corporations can respond. And then, ah, guess what? We made the world a better place. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like what you said about... Um, the concept of agency and like letting that go and being the kind of giving like taking no accountability for ourselves like oh if something happens oh, you know that's how they that's what the government said so i have to you know that's it's not my fault it's just that but again you do have if you really care again you have to you have to care to go learn to go take that knowledge to think about the the stuff critically like the news example you said something my dad always tells me so mm. Um, personally, I really don't. I really hate watching the news. I really, really hate it. Um, it's and that's why when you said earlier, like oh, news puppies, I'm like, I wish, I wish it was ever that. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, <laughs> but it's always so like negative. It's mm. it's always literally. I can't remember like watching the news one day and being like, oh, that didn't make me feel like like shit mentally or make me. Uh, empathize or feel bad for people in different places who are less fortunate or have struggled or whatever whatever the case might be and my dad always tells me he always says like you have to read he's like everything that happens in the world and kind of touching on your point because we're all connected everything that happens in the world is going to affect you here today like mm -hmm. for, he'd use the example of um like the whole oil thing now like look like the prices here for example that we're paying it's gone up like 50 percent he's like yeah see because of what's happening there in Ukraine, for example, look at it's affect. He's like, look, it's affecting your life. Like here today, 
this is, I know, just a side note, but just based on like what you were saying, it kind of triggered like. No, that. take it, it back to climate. Yeah, take what's it back happening over there is going to affect, affect you. Here. Yeah, the, like you know, a flood, a flood in, in Pakistan or in the Philippines will create mass migration, <laughs> and people will need to move into cities, try and find work, creates more competition, more pressure on resources, more pressure on infrastructure, and it will affect you. Yeah. Everything we are now way too interconnected for us to believe that anything is away. You know, yeah. <laughs> anything yeah. is over there, like nothing. Yeah. You don't throw anything away. It's all sitting in the Pacific garbage patch mm-hmm. or underground or what? Like there's no way we're all here in one place. And yeah, yeah. we're so interconnected now that you're going to feel the ripples of every, every action. Yeah. And it's a really good point. I don't know if I've ever, I mean, news used to just be kind of matter of fact. Now it's very emotional. Mm. I think that's the difference. And in terms of good news, oh, for so many years, I wanted to start like some good news network. And I'll tell you what, they exist. There's papers that just, you know, Upworthy is probably the most popular one. Okay. Uh, that they try and promote good news so that you have this psychological relationship with what's going on in the world. That's yeah. not necessarily exactly. doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of puts you in such fear that you want to give up your agency because mm. how can you possibly tackle climate change? Like, yeah. tell me what to do, big government. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Um, and then these little stories kind of give you little impressions that, you know, people are capable of, you know, yeah. feeling good, making change. Uh, you don't have to worry about the big, big problems. You can mm-hmm. just work on your own and things will ripple and become better. Yeah. Or at least more we tolerable. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah. no, I don't see that. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a time where the news wasn't operating with some form of agenda, but that's okay. We just have to have an agenda of our own as mm. well to complement that. That's a good point. News can be news. Mm-mm. It can be and take whatever shape it takes over the many generations. But yeah. what are we doing? How are we receiving that news? That's the question. Yeah. And we're not currently tailoring that or actively engaged in how we're absorbing it. Yeah. Uh, I love how you brought the the example back to climate change. And again, like the the example that you just used, like with the flood in Pakistan, for example, and how like people are going to now move and that's going to create this and this and this. And like, I, my, my train of thought never would never like go to that extent. But listening to you say, it, I'm like, God, like, she's, she's right. Like that is what this, you don't have a choice. That is what's going to like on the big scale. That is mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And on the point that um, like we're all like to believe nowadays that nothing, anything that happens in the world is not going to affect you in some way is I think naive to think, but also, speak, and I'm speaking from my, I'm speaking myself here, honestly, guys, this is not like, um, if it's, as as long as it's like, even if I'm not thinking of how it's affecting me personally, and I think maybe there's a lot of people that feel this way, if it's not like here, like in like, like here, like for example, outside my house, like, oh, okay, I'm like, it's fine, you know, like, ah, like we're good, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but I think uh, something like that is, I think it's a personal thing. I think everyone has their own levels of awareness when it comes to stuff like that. Um, Lara, I could probably sit and talk to you and for I'd like love to. For <laughs> a thousand hours on so many different topics. Um, but I want to round off uh, the podcast that we've talked about with climate change. Um, and I wanted to ask you, uh, I have two questions left. These are questions Ooh. I ask all my guests. Okay. So first, I wish you sent me those <clears> to me before. <laughs> no, I know those. I Some guests ask for questions. Those two, I never sent because I want them to be instinctive. Mm. So if I ask you, Laura, looking back either personally, professionally or whatever, if I ask you the question, what are you most proud of for yourself? What would you say? Honestly, just believing in myself. I don't always believe in myself, but the times that I have has led to some really wonderful things. And I hope that everybody gets a chance to believe in themselves either every day or at least sometimes. Yeah. Uh, 
hopefully, hopefully more more times than not. And I think I relate to that like hundred percent. I think everyone listening can relate to that in in some way or another. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing. That yeah, it's not always. Maybe you have the there are going to be the down days. This is life. It's not all good. You can't always be 100%. I believe, believe, believe. There's going to be doubts. There's going to be... The, I've experienced this with like the work I do, with the podcast, whatever, but here I am and we're still doing it because I love it. Um, and for my last question, Lara, what is the message that you'd like everyone to take home with them today? You know, everybody knows exactly what needs to be done to quell this fear that is resonating and being promoted um, in front of all of us. Act in service of self, earth, and others. I think that's a perfect <laughs> way to round off uh, the podcast. And I, I love what you said about uh, everyone knows what needs to be done. The question is, I can, and I include myself in this, do we do it? That's what it comes down to. Uh, Laura, I wanted to say thank you so, so thank much you. for coming on the show. This has been such, such a fun conversation. Honestly, I've, I don't know, I literally don't know anything about climate change. So sitting down, having this kind of discussion, and now I have so many different things to think about when it comes to this topic. So really thank you oh, for your time. It's definitely the airy-fairy version, <laughs> but it's still useful, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay, whatever. <laughs> there's, there's, I think for every airy-fairy version, you find like a, the, the complete opposite. So it's okay. Um, if uh, anyone wants to reach out to you, talk to you, connect with you, how can they do that? Well, um, I'm happy to receive any feedback on this conversation or thoughts on at Dahansky um, mm -hmm. on Instagram. You can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Lara Dahan. Uh, guys, Lara, thank you so much for coming on the show. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please make sure to like, follow, and share, and subscribe to the podcast on Instagram at hope.it.helps with two S's. And as always, guys, I hope it helps. Peace. <laughs> Perfect.